a guni kur er en it is wonderful in a way to have the opportunity of walking along a pavement that I'd often walked before in my previous life and coming into the gallery, and but also to not so comfortable to, have, to move with such a due haste past all of the wonderful work. I, would, I hope to have time to come back and look at it on another occasion. Both Sabina and I, when over the years, <coughs> got to value the National Gallery, and it was particularly, I recall, coming in both to hear and sometimes give some of its lunchtime lectures, which were just so wonderful. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted as well to be here for the very particular, indeed, I think as well, uh, there are some news I was just gathering. I, I do want to congratulate you on the work, the incredible archive of Sardinus Man. Uh, I remember very much what the wonderful evening we had here when he announced his uh, adjudication of the Caravaggio and other great occasions and so on. But I'm delighted this evening in particular to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Archive and Records Association. I want to pay tribute to all of the archivists and those who work on the maintenance and care of records. And I do want to thank Jerry Bernard for his invitation to join you in which is undoubtedly a landmark event. The, the, the mission statement of the Archive and Records Association is to treasure and safeguard archives and records and value the role of specialist record keepers. That objective, which I wholeheartedly endorse, is one of ensuring that the story of our nation will be preserved and that all our citizens will be engaged, enabled to engage in personal and enriching ways, not only with critical moments in our national history, but to engage with curiosity with all aspects of the narrative of that shared history. We are, of course, currently journeying through what has been called popularly as a decade of commemoration, as we mark and recall some of the founding moments of our state. We are now entering perhaps the most challenging period. It's an exercise which rightly reminds us of the great importance of enabling scholars and our citizens with what is on, to engage with what is on record and has been collected of our shared past. The challenge too of recalling it in ways that are ethically and increasingly honest, to have access to as many versions of our history as possible and the many individual stories that comprise that history. I'm thinking, for instance, of the 1916 Rising Oral History Collection housed in the National Library and of how it provided and has provided us with a more personalised and inclusive understanding of the stories of all the citizens who became involved in their different ways in those profound moments of our history, also provided us with one of what is a continuing philosophical challenge, the role of the personal interpretation and the defunct effects as well as the merits of personal memory in constructing stories of events. In this regard, I was delighted to hear earlier today that the government has announced funding to continue and expand the excellent work undertaken by the Irish Research Council of recreating, through the digitisation of archives located within Ireland, Britain and further afield, the Public Records Office of Ireland. That was lost in the forecourse when the forecourse was destroyed during the Civil War. 
It is an exciting and worthy project that will help us to interrogate further our history and rediscover, perhaps, what has been lost to us for almost a century. In encountering those sources, such as the 1916 Rising Oral History Collection, one does come face to face with the day-to-day -day cycles of the many ordinary lives that influenced and were affected by that extraordinary period of how the significance of the events was interpreted and the responses resonated through the lived experience of citizens. And while the stories contained in that collection can help bring us deeply into the reality of 1916 and all its complexity, they also, of course, remind us and challenge us that we are all protectors and curators of the history that will be handed on to future generations, possessors of stories that may be an integral part of our own and our family's life story, but are also a critical part then of Ireland's shared social history. The critical relationship between past, present and future is one that should never be delegated solely or crafted solely by politicians, organisations or even historians. The responsibility is a general one that falls on all the citizens who live through the moods and concerns of their own eras and generational experiences. There are revisions that are happily encountered along the way, for example, of our assumptions and the historiography that came from these new sources that I've mentioned. I think of the Irish Military Pensions Archive, which was made public in 2017, <coughs> described by Dilmer Theater as the biggest piece of the jigsaw relating to that period in terms of archives. The stories contained within it allow us insight into the varied experiences of the 85,000 ordinary citizens who claimed pension or dependence allowance for active service during the seismic period of Irish history between 1916 and 1921. <coughs> Again, we are brought into the reality of the lives of so many whose names do not appear in our history books but who were critical to the shaping of the Republic we inhabit today. We're also left with what I regard as even more important insights into how an alliance of political favouritism and institutional coldness and sensitivity brought rejection, hurt and bitterness into the heart of so many families, to such an extent that many of those who were engaged in that particular communication felt necessary to leave and emigrate move across the Atlantic to the United States and Canada. Many others simply gave up, required as they were to keep producing documents that they could never, could never have possibly been in a position to provide. The tough and challenging circumstances that so many of those who fought and made personal sacrifices for a more just and democratic Ireland faced, they faced the most unequal and sometimes cruel treatment they received from a new state to which they had helped give birth. And it forces us to think the difficult questions not always prompted by official versions of our shared history. Indeed, as I say this, I want to pay tribute to that wonderful public servant of the Sheehy family, who in the 1960s said, this is a disgrace what we're asking the people to produce in terms of documents that they couldn't possibly be regarded as having possessed. So therefore it isn't only the act of archiving, it isn't only its making available, it's also the story that has yet to be fully faced in terms 
of what it tells us of our moral deficiency. Archival collections play a crucial role in the development of an, inter therefore, of an honest interrogation of a nation, one which allows us to view our past in a way that can be, of course, at times appropriately celebratory, but which prevents us from idealising that past or from ignoring its flaws or evading the mistakes that were made. On this issue of making choices, which is the act of commemoration, from remembering, accessing choice, deciding what it is to be commemorated, even venerated in some circles, which is of another moral category, we've made a good beginning. It's one that contrasts so strongly, for example, with neglected critiques elsewhere. For example, the neglected critique of empire by those of our fellow Europeans, be it in relation to the European experience and attitude towards Africa, for example. It is a neglect which, of course, impairs current policy and future policy and blinds us, if you like, from having a full and inclusive version of life between peoples today. So freedom of access to archives is a vital element, indeed a fundamental, of fundamental value in any properly functioning democracy. Such access allows us to investigate and interrogate the actions and decisions of those who went before, to explore our personal and collective identities, and to understand our role and our responsibilities as citizens, an understanding of the complexity from which we have come, or how we arrived at where we are. We are empowered as citizens to shape and negotiate the relationship between our collective past the contemporary moment and that which is yet to come. And such access can only be possible if it is supported by the necessary infrastructure and processes that are fundamental to archival science. And as a society, we can be very grateful to the Archives and Records Association. I do congratulate you for your important work in this regard. By ensuring the provision of such a vital resource for democracy, a public service and a rich reserve of knowledge for future generations. You enable a profound understanding of the rich social, economic and political history from which modern day Ireland has grown and evolved. By allowing us the opportunity to engage with the past and to reclaim some of the most important moments in our national history, including our difficult struggle for independence, you enable us to engage in a personal, enriching and immediate way without passing and bringing us thus deep into the narrative of our shaped history. Your own association, the Archives and Records Association, has of course its own rich narrative. And as you look back across the last four decades, you have so much to remember with pride. Forty years ago, you had just 33 members. This number has now grown to 300, comprising professional archivists, record managers and archive conservators, from all the different types of organisations that employ such professionals. And there is so much need for so many more. And I say this very carefully as President, because we are in a difficult moment in relation to archival research, where there are very clear responsibilities that if issued will leave a legacy from which it will not be easy to recover. Today, the breadth of your membership includes, yes, the National Archives, the Public Records Office of Northern Ireland, government departments, state bodies, local authorities, universities, private archives, the legal sector and the financial sector who have all benefited from your mission to foster, promote and seek to broaden, the care management, access to and use of records and archives by everyone. 
But the gaps are so serious. And this includes, of course, the greatly improved legal protection of archives, created by central and local government, due to legislation enacted since your formation, such as the National Archives Amendment Act 2018, as well as Section 65 of the Local Government Act 1994. Across the 40 years of your existence, our means of accessing information has, of course, evolved, presenting new and interesting challenges for all those who work in the field of archival science and practice and craft. When I was Minister with the Responsibility for the National Archives over 10, 20 years ago, the means of facilitating the public to access archives were considerably different from what pertains today. It is this, I may tell you, that is of particular concern to me, to learn that staffing and skills shortages, along with a lack of storage space, is hindering the ability of our national archive system, not only to process records and make them available to the public, but also to carefully digitise records and develop online access to them. Sometimes I find it quite frightening, some of the things I see in relation to, for example, the records to which are very, very close to me now in Oris and Uthron, even from the period of the first president, to Creeping even on Dr. Douglas de Heerder. And it is quite shocking in many, many ways, the number of departments, sections of the public state and so forth, that have not implied an archivist, and that have not, in fact, actually set about seriously see how important the recorded past is to those who will come in the future. I think the notion also, as well as this in relation, the space one absolutely confuses me, given, in fact, the huge expenditure, even from my time, decades ago, in relation to this whole question of storage. But beyond the issue of storage as well, there is, above all else, something that is terribly important and really is challenging even more in the digitalised area, and it is the wisdom of the archive. Choices have to be made. I remember a dear, dear friend no longer with us, Alf McLaughlin, once said to me when I was discussing the National Archives legislation with them over two decades ago, you have always to remember that the National Archives are not the national attic. <laughs> and, uh, and those who are in a very, very good position, indeed, to draw the distinction between the National Archives and the National Attic are the professionals, which are home to my mind. I congratulate you all on being there, but there's so many more of you necessary. And I do add my voice to those who say this is an area in which we really have ground to make up. As with all repositories of important public information, it is important, as I've said, that the archives are resourced in a way that will enable them to avail of the technological advances and that will allow critical material to be accessed online. I do regard the original document myself as near sacred, and it isn't the technological method that is the primary thing. This is an area in which I know you're very involved, facilitating discussion and support for practitioners who wish to remain informed and up-to-date on developments relating to the curation of digitised material. There can be no doubt that you've travelled a considerable journey, four decades, the hard plan since your establishment in Boswell's Hotel in May in 1979. There can be no doubt of your continued commitment 
to the democratization of the study of history and the bringing of new perceptions and viewpoints to events of the past. May I take this opportunity of congratulating Aideen Ireland on her appointment as President of the Archives and Records Association UK and Ireland. It is such a significant and deserved recognition. Throughout her distinguished career, Aideen has not only undertaken extensive work at the National Archives, but across the sector, but has served as a member of the Council, as President and as Fellow of the Royal Society of Antiquaries of Ireland, and as Council Member and Fellow of the Royal Society of Antiquaries of London. We also benefited greatly from Aideen's tenure as Chair of the Society of Archivists Ireland and Chair of the Society of Archivists UK and Ireland. I so wish her every success in her new role. Gwim Gorbrakas Barnachteri is Marfaklas Kiris Minlum Buikas Rishkwal in Gilead, Asachtan Firkin Forja Darish of Romhenis and Nathan Kaelin, Akas Gwim Gorbrakari, Farouk Gwid Ibra, Ektut Mekhael Gaul, Lenor Sereni Dilo, Lenor Shkesh Gaelat Akastil Nedak, Lishabran Fortik Shin Saibuash Gael, Vietiarti of the Smastur Doyuk. So may I thank all of you once again for welcoming Ben Sweden so generously this evening, and I wish you every success as you continue your valuable work of enabling all our citizens to engage with our story, our shared story, our glorious story, but our painful story in all its complexities and diversities, enriching it with new perspectives and better informed assessment and evaluation. Mili Buikas is Thank you.